You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. Trent Fleskins here, your host as always. I've got Carlo Bordy from Bordy & Associates back in the studio. We are today talking about something pretty deep but very, very relevant to everyone listening today. If you're an investor, you are an investor in the eyes of the ATO that falls into one of three buckets. Those buckets are from the bottom up, a normal investor who rents properties out and has their capital gains tax discounts and deductibilities. Number two, someone who is running a profit-making scheme. And number three, someone who is running a business. Now, these different categories of investors are treated in three very different ways. They have different implications with regards to GST and discounts and annual expenses, and they are all defined very specifically by the ATO. We're very lucky to have Carlo Bordi in the studio today to help us along with this very very deep conversation and hopefully you can make it as simple as possible for us, mate. <laughs> Morning, Trent. We'll try. We'll try. All right. Let's start from the bottom. Let's define, in the eyes of the ATO, an investor is. What makes you an investor? Well, basically, an investor is a person who acquires an asset with the intent of holding it and generating some sort of income. So the easy example is you buy a rental property, you hold it for a number of years. What are the benefits the ATO gives you there or how do they treat you on an annual basis? Well, in relation to a rental property, the expenses associated are deductible, the rent is taxable. If you're showing a loss, well, then you claim it against your tax return. And more importantly, if you hold the property for more than 12 months and then you sell it, it then gets defined as a capital gain, which is under the tax definition under the capital account. And what that means in layman's terms, more than 12 months, you get a 50% discount on any profit that you make on that property. So if you purchased a property for 400 grand and you sold it for 500 grand after more than 12 months, you made a $100,000 profit, you get a 50% discount on that profit. So $50,000 will be sitting on top of your taxable income from your salary that year that will then be taxed. Is that right? Yeah, the word capital gain, there's no such thing as a capital gains tax. It's simply, it's a box on the tax return like interest or rent or yep. dividends. It gets added to your income and then whatever marginal rate you're in, you pay tax on that. You pay tax on, on the capital gain. Correct. There is no capital gains tax. Correct. Now, let's step it up. Let's go. We, I think most people, if you've bought a property, that's how you've been treated. That's how you expect to be treated. Now, I think the fallacy most people have is that they think, regardless of whether they're just holding in a property or they get into subdivision and development, that's how they're treated. Incorrect, isn't it? There's a next level. Well, the commission looks at initially what your intent was. So if you've had a property and uh, you've had it for a number of years and you decide to carve up the back block, even if it's your own house, that back block, if the intent was to have it always as an investment, is going to be subject to capital gains. So so if you live in a house for 20 years and it's your own place, you carve up the back block and sell it, there's a capital gains implication on that, and you pay the capital gains. And you're, so you treat it as an investor at that point You treat it as an investor with the 50% discount associated okay. with that. Yep. yep. Next step up, if we buy a property with the intent to make money out of that, not just by rent, but by carving lots up and either building on them or not, that makes us what? If you're not defined as a business, and if you're simply like a mum and dad who, okay, Trent, find me a block which I can uh, I can carve up into three lots, we're going to knock the house down, the commission will normally deem that to be what's called a profit-making scheme. So in other words, you're not a full-blown business, you don't you don't treat land as trading stock, you're simply in it for, for maybe an approach to make some extra money, and then the commission says, right, 
the implications of that is that uh, you have to register for GST. Uh, you're entitled to claim back the GST on the development. The, the majority of the profit you make will be what's called on revenue account, which in simple term means it's profit, and you add it to your tax return once you subtract all your expenses and the GST associated with that transaction. Okay, so if you go and buy a property and knock it over, create a triplex on it, or even just three blocks of land, and you sell them all straight away, you will not get a discount on the capital gains? No. Um, and you will, you will have GST implications? Yeah, definitely. Um, under a profit-making scheme, it's then deemed that uh, you have to register for GST, you have to identify the, the income you're making from it, and, uh, and the other issue that's with the profit-making scheme is that you don't, obviously don't get the money until you sell the property, but under the profit-making scheme, all the costs that you incur, and this might take you over two tax periods or more, all those costs are actually quarantined, and then they're allocated to that profit that you make on that project. So you're not claiming them each tax year as you're going along. You have to wait till you actually sell. Correct. Okay, so what about if I go and purchase that established property, knock it down, turn it into three new properties and then rent those three new triplex units out for six months and then sell them? Would I still be deemed to be a running a profit-making scheme or would I be an investor? In most instances, it's, it's the facts. By, by having it only for six months, first of all, you're not going to be told to any potential capital gains discount because it's less than 12 months. The commissioner can also deem that you've done this as the profit-making scheme and therefore, it is still subject to GST and, uh, and no discount as a capital gain. In fact, if you do this on a regular basis, there's actually a five-year cooling-off period. So if a person builds a house, if you're a builder, for example, and you build your own house, you actually, there's actually a five-year period where the commission can deem that it's a profit-making scheme and GST applies, even on your own house. So it depends on, on the frequency of how you do it, what you do it, and who, with whom you do it, and obviously the structure you've used that's going to dictate it. But... In most cases, I think the commission would deem this as a profit-making scheme and not a capital gain. Hmm, interesting. So I guess there's that, a bit of that grey area there in that five-year period. So if someone was there for to simply... Because we have a lot of clients, for example, that purchase a property with the intent to turn it into a number of properties, uh, You know, let's say a triple X, and always the intent to hold that new development and rent it out for the next 10 years. Uh, would that be the same in that same situation? Every scenario is looked by the tax department on its own merits. The tax department actually quoted a situation where there were two people who built a property. One was a, a young gentleman who built a property, never physically moved into it, just had some lights going on every now and then, basically lived at home with mum, and a year and a half later sold it. Compared to a gentleman who, him and his wife, the wife designed the house, it was her dream home. She built this house, but three months before it was completed, she died. The taxpayer actually moved into the place for a short period of time, I think it was less than six months, and then he sold it. Now, the commissioner deemed that the sale of that property was not taxable. It was intended to be his house. It was his house. He physically moved in, no profits tax, no tax implications at all, while the gentleman who never really moved into his other house, the commissioner then deemed that that house was still new residential, and a new residential is subject to GST and profits tax. Mm. Every case has to be looked at its own merits. So that's a really grey area because we have a lot of clients who do do that. They, uh, they've always had the intent to do that development 
uh, turn it into three, build a portfolio uh, on, a, on an escalated basis so that they can hold those properties, do another one, and, and, and over time have you know, a, much, a multiplied amount of properties that are all long-term rentals, all investments, but they start as an active development. I think that's very interesting. I, I think we're still in a gray area there of, of interpretation as to whether those people 10 years down the track would be deemed to be, or even five years or two years down the track, deemed to be investors if they did uh, sell at that point in time after renting. And, and look, like I said, ev- every case is different. It also depends on the industry that you're in as well, believe it or not. So if you're in the industry of dealing in property, your own facts may either be negative to you or they may be positive. And I can give an exact scenario where I've got a client of mine who's a, is a, is actually a real estate agent, so he's heavily into property. He actually bought some land and uh, he, he bought the property and he only rented it for a couple of years. And then he had stress in relation to, to cash flow. He had to sell it and we actually applied for a ruling to the tax department and they deemed that that was simply on what's called a capital account. It wasn't subject to, to GST and profits tax. Even though he's in the property development um, business, business, yeah, they still discounted to say, well, hang on, the reason why you sold it wasn't as a profit-making scheme. You actually had uh, financial stress, and they look at all the factors. So, yeah, it's um, it's wow. not a cut-and-dry scenario. And that's, I think, I guess, uh, the tough side for me because I get asked this question nearly every week. It is, you know, will I be paying GST? Will I get a 50-cent discount on my capital gains if I hold it for a year or if I hold it for five years? And the answer I have to give is, look, it is very much down to the interpretation of the ATO as to whether they deem you to have done this development to make profit as an in-and-out uh, system or uh, to just build a more multiplied uh, passive investment portfolio. And look, it's really easy for the ATO now. I mean, they got cross-referencing to land transactions, and we get told by the ATO when a person sells a house before the client even walks in the door. So they're they're in tune to this. They're really looking at, do you do this on a regular basis? Is this a one-off scenario? And and it can be treated differently depending on exactly what you do and how you do it. So every scenario is uh, unique. All right, so we've spoken about investors. We've spoken about the implications of people or deemed to run profit-making schemes. What's the third one? Well, basically, if you're operating um, a business in property development, the ATO then looks and says, right, is the land held for resale? And uh, is it a business that deals in land in its complexity? And what I mean by that is the ATO looks at factors like, is there a significant commercial purpose to this? The size and the scale of the activity? Your intention to actually engage in a business, so you're doing it in a business-like manner, um, your regularity and, and your reputation, and even the irregularity. You can only sometimes do one project, and you may be caught as a, as a business. Uh, so you've got to be careful of that and, and fully understand these other factors because it's not just one point. It's a matter of they look at multitude of points to see where you fall. So that would be the definition, I guess, of someone who is deemed to be running a land development or property development business. And I think it's pretty clear if you are or you're not. You're claiming to be or are a sophisticated investor or developer in that space, or you're a mum and dad who's trying to make money out of a triplex. It's one or the other, really. What is the implication, therefore, then, in contrast to a profit-making scheme from the ATO as to how they treat you in tax time? Well, if you're a business, the cost that you incur are deductible when you incur them. So, you know, council rates, interest, 
water rates. Um, like any business. Yeah, absolutely. And anything you do on the actual land adds to the cost of the land, like if you, like it is trading stock basically, compared to your profit making scheme, which is mainly your mum and dad who are in it for a quick exercise and they might only do one of these two in their lifetime under a profit making scheme. All the costs are basically quarantined until the project is. Uh, it seems sold. like it seems like if you are deemed to be a mum and dad doing a profit making scheme, which is, for example, most of our clients looking to make money through, you know, undertaking a triplex development, uh, it seems like a little bit of a hamstringing there, given that you can't claim those deductions along the way in the same way that a normal business that would be doing this on a yearly basis could. Look, they put the distinction there most definitely, because uh, you see, as a business, there are a whole lot of other potential concessions that apply. So unless you tick all those boxes properly, then yeah. But there are some potential concessions by being a uh, profit-making scheme in that, depending on on the exact nature of the asset and how long you've held it. Uh, for example, if you if you buy a rental property and you've always had it as a rental property and you sell it, and then, then ten years later the zoning changes, let's say, and then you start, decide to carve it up. Well, then there's some concession for part of it being calculated on on, on normal income which is called the revenue account, compared to part of it being subject to a capital gains calculation. So the profit can be split in a couple of different components. So Yeah, you know, let's, let's flesh that out a bit because that's a lot of clients that we also have is they'll come to us and they'll say, look, I've already got a property. I've been renting it out for 20 years and I knew there was only change 10 years ago. I finally got the cash or the intent to carve up the backyard. How would that implication work out? So what you're saying is, well, look, if they retain the front property and only do minor cosmetic renovations to get it up to snuff, then that will be deemed the same way it's always been deemed, you know, as if they were an investor. But the back block becomes the profit-making scheme. Is that is that the grey area there? The hybrid, um, you might say? Well, with regards to the tax department, if it's simply you're carving up one block at the back they're not going to deem it to be a profit-making scheme. They're going to say, okay, you've realized that asset in the best way you can. You've made some money out of it. That was never your intent. That's under what's called capital account, which means it's subject to capital gains discounting, and only half of that profit will be declared and shown in your tax return. Compared to um, if, if, uh, if a person had a, a large acreage and that acreage was subdivided, well then, um, and, and and you were involved in that subdivision. The more you're involved in the subdivision, the more it's going to be deemed to be a profit-making scheme. Um, by default, for example, to give you two examples, if you, if you're a farmer and you can cover it up to five-acre lots, and, and you do that, and you realise that profit, under most instances, you're going to be given potentially a discount under the capital gains. While if you're a person who potentially inherits that property and you then divide up into many blocks as you can and you can involve the advertising and, and you can involve with organising contractors because by you doing it, you're going to save money on it and, and you've got some sort of expertise there, it's going to be possibly to be a profit-making scheme more than likely. Mm. So, again, it's a whole lot of points that you've got to tick through to see which category you're defined as. Defining and making very clear through this episode which one of the three you are as a listener helps you to understand uh, with your accountant what the tax implications will be at the end of the day. And whilst it shouldn't define what type of development or what strategy you have, given the fact that we always know it's about minimizing risk first, making profit second, and then minimizing tax third, uh, it should still be something we should understand as, I guess, an implication of the strategy we're undertaking. So we don't have a rude shock at the end of the day because the facts are the facts and the ATO generally will catch up with them, whether it's on their tax return that you uh, align with the sale or two years later when they, uh, they figure it out. Knowledge is power, I suppose, and it's a matter of understanding how it works 
and then preparing yourself for that and, and understanding the consequences of, uh, of those structures. Carlo, any final words on this topic? I think the most important comment is, unfortunately, depending on your specific situation, could have a different outcome to the person that's sitting next to you who's doing exactly the same project. So I think everyone's different and everyone needs to understand their position and not just assume that whatever happens to the guy next door, you'll be treated the same way. My mitigant for this is that whenever I am uh, running a feasibility study for a client, regardless of whether they plan to hold and rent for a long time or uh, sell on completion of the development, is to always prepare that feasibility in a way that reflects a profit-making scheme. So including the margin scheme, including GST implications as well, and then you'll get, the, I guess, the closest and most conservative outcome of the money you'll be making at the end of the day. And look, let's let's be very blunt here. Stuff like GST, calculation of margin scheme, tax, they're all they're all costs on the project. So you've got to allow for those to really work out how much am I making out of this at the end of the day. And if you get lucky, or if uh, you decide to hold and rent those for ten years, and the ATO agrees that you are an investor, well, then that's just money that you've uh, set aside that you don't have to pay anymore. And I guess you'd rather be preparing for that rather than having a rude awakening uh, ten years down the track. Again, it's all based on understanding your situation and then understanding the consequences of those actions. Carlo, thank you very much for your time, mate. Uh, 18 minutes of gold again, defining the three types of property developers, investors, profit makers, and full-time developers, and how they have essentially been carved out by the ATO in the way that they treat you. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks for inviting me in. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!